0: My friend, thanks so much for coming out. I tell you what, I'm going to let you find a nice calm station to play while we hang out here by the fire. I'm going to run back inside and get the carafe of coffee. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Rocks, God, the world and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 17, Episode 357. Title, An Ancient Perspective on Creation. Subtitle, The truth of creation gives stability in times of trouble. Genesis records the oldest event in the Bible, but most conservative scholars place the book of Job as the oldest book written in the Bible. It's a witness to the reality of God as creator and that the world was created and did not evolve. The reason why I bring this up is to highlight the insight into ancient truth and knowledge the people at that time possessed, that God is the creator of all things, and their acute understanding of God's manipulation and control of the smallest things and events on the earth as creator. The book tells the story of a man named Job, who is portrayed as a wealthy and righteous individual. Job's faith is severely tested when he experiences a series of catastrophic life events. He loses his wealth, his health, and his children, and he is plagued by painful sores. As Job and his friends who have come to comfort him seek to explain his suffering, there is continuously a referral to the truth that God is man's maker and the creator of the universe. It's encouraging and amazing to delve into their ancient understanding about this fundamental and eternal truth that God created the heavens and the earth and that as creator, he is intimately involved in the affairs of his creation. In the latter part of the book, God responds to Job's pleas by speaking from a whirlwind. God's response emphasizes his divine wisdom, power, and sovereignty over creation. God's message conveys that human beings cannot fully comprehend His ways and that His divine plan transcends human understanding. Job is humbled and acknowledges his limited perspective in the face of God's greatness. This book concludes with Job's suffering coming to an end, and he's restored to health and blessed with an even greater prosperity than before. But my friend, what I want to do today with this podcast is to read the verses out of the book of Job that talk about God and as creator and as maker and as sustainer and as provider and as the giver of life. Listen carefully as I read these words of the ancients' understanding of creator God and his creative control over all that there is. In Job chapter 4 verse 17, it says, Can a mortal be righteous before God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? In Job chapter 9, verses 4-10, through 10, it says God is wise and all-powerful. Who has opposed Him and come out unharmed? He removes mountains without their knowledge, overturning them in His anger. He shakes the earth from its place so that its pillars tremble. He commands the sun not to shine and seals off the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He makes the stars, the bear, Orion, the Pleiades, and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. In chapter 10, verses 8 through 12, it says, Your hand shaped me and formed me. You formed me like clay. You clothed me with skin and flesh, and wove me together with bones and tendons. You gave me life and faithful love, and your care has guarded my life. In chapter 12, verse 10, it says, The life of every living thing is in His hand as well as the breath of all humanity. In chapter 26, starting in verse 5 and going through verse 14, it reads, The departed spirits tremble beneath the waters and all that inhabit them. Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches the northern skies over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst beneath its weight. He obscures the view of his throne, spreading his cloud over it. He laid out the horizon on the surface of the waters, at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars that hold up the sky tremble, astounded at his rebuke. By his power he stirred the sea, and by his understanding he crushed Rahab. By his breath the heavens gained their beauty. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. These are but the fringes of his ways. How faint is the word we hear of him! Who can understand his mighty thunder? In chapter 28, verses 25 through 26, it reads, When God fixed the weight of the wind and distributed the water by measure, when he established a limit for the rain and a path for the lightning. In chapter 31, verses 13 through 15, it reads, If I have denied justice to any of my servants, whether male or female, when they had a grievance against me, What will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? In chapter 32, verse 22, it talks about God as my maker. In chapter 33, verses 4 through 6, it says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Answer me then if you can. Stand up and argue your case before me. I am the same as you in God's sight. I, too, am a piece of clay. Chapter 34, verse 19 says that the rich and the poor are the work of his hands. Chapter 35, verse 10 refers to God as my maker. In chapter 36, verse 3, it says, my maker. Chapter 37, starting in verse 3 He unleashes His lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of His roar. He thunders with His majestic voice. When His voice resounds, He holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, fall on the earth, and to the rain shower, be a mighty downpour, so that everyone He has made may know His work. He stops all people from their labor. The breath of God produces ice, and the broad waters become frozen. He loads the clouds with moisture. He scatters His lightning through them. At His discretion, they swirl around over the face of the whole earth to do whatever He commands them. He brings the clouds to punish people or to water His earth and show His love. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes His lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised, those wonders of Him who has perfect knowledge? You who swelter in your clothes when the land lies hushed under the south wind, can you join Him in spreading out the skies, hard as a mirror of cast bronze? In chapter 38, when God begins to challenge Job, starting in verse 4, it reads, Where were you when I established the earth? Who fixed its dimensions? Who stretched a measuring line across it? Who supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind its doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place? When I declared you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place so it may seize the edges of the earth and shake the wicked out of it? The earth is changed as clay is by a seal. Its hills stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked and the arm raised in violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the ocean? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the road to the home of light? Do you know where darkness lives, so you can lead it back to its border? Are you familiar with the paths to its home? Don't you know? You were already born. You have lived so long. Have you entered the place where the snow is stored, or have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I hold in reserve for times of trouble, for the day of warfare and battle? What road leads to the place where light is dispersed? Where is the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flooding rain or clears the way for lightning to bring rain on an uninhabited land, on a desert with no human life, to satisfy the parched wasteland and cause the grass to sprout? Does the rain have a father? Who fathered the drops of dew? Whose womb did the ice come from? Who gave birth to the frost of heaven when the water becomes as hard as stone and the surface of the watery depths is frozen? Can you fasten the chains of Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear and her cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you impose its authority on earth? Can you command the clouds so that a flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts and they go? Do they report to you, here we are? Who put wisdom in the heart or gave the mind understanding? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the dust hardens like cast metal and the clods of dirt stick together? Can you hunt prey for a lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait within their lairs? Who provides the raven's food when its young cry out to God and wander about for the lack of food? God proceeds on in chapter 39 with the indicting questions to Job. Starting in verse 1, Do you know when mountain goats give birth? Have you watched the deer in labor? Can you count the months they are pregnant so you can know the time they give birth? They crouch down to give birth to their young. They deliver their newborn. Their offspring are healthy and grow up in the open field. They leave and do not return. Who set the wild donkey free? Who released the swift donkey from its harness? I made the desert its home, and the salty wasteland its dwelling. It scoffs at the noise of the village and never hears the shouts of a driver. It roams the mountains for its pasture land, searching for anything green. Would the wild ox be willing to serve you? Would it spend the night by your feeding trough? Can you hold the wild ox to a furrow by its harness? Will it plow the valleys behind you? Can you depend on it because its strength is great? Would you leave it to do your hard work? Can you trust the wild ox to harvest your grain and bring it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but are her feathers and plumage like the stork's? She abandons her eggs on the ground and lets them be warmed in the sand. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly, as if they were not her own, with no fear that her labor may have been in vain. For God has deprived her of wisdom. He has not endowed her with understanding. When she proudly spreads her wings, she laughs at the horse and its rider. Do you give strength to the horse? Do you adorn his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like a locust? His proud snorting fills one with terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He charges into battle. He laughs at fear since he is afraid of nothing. He does not run from the sword. A quiver rattles at his side along with a flashing spear and a javelin charges ahead with trembling rage. He cannot stand still at the sound of the ram's horn. When the ram's horn blasts, he snorts defiantly. He smells the battle from a distance. He hears the officer's shouts and a battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your understanding and spread its wings to the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and make its nest on high? It lives on a cliff where it spends the night. Its stronghold is on a rocky crag. From there, it searches for its prey. Its eyes penetrate the distance. Its brood gulps down blood. And where the slain are, it is there. In chapter 40, starting in verse 7, God says, Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Would you really challenge my justice? Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can you thunder with a voice like His? Adorn yourself with majesty and splendor, and clothe yourself with honor and glory. Pour out your raging anger. Look on every proud person and humiliate him. Look on every proud person and humble him. Trample the wicked where they stand. Hide them together in the dust. Imprison them in the grave. Then I will confess to you that your own right hand can deliver you. Look at Behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like cattle. Look at the strength of his back and the power in the muscles of his belly. He stiffens his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs are woven firmly together. His bones are bronze tubes. His limbs are like iron rods. He is the foremost of God's works. Only his Maker can draw the sword against him. The hills yield food for him, while all sorts of wild animals play there. He lies under the lotus plants, hiding in the protection of marshy reeds. Lotus plants cover him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Though the river rages, Behemoth is unafraid. He remains confident, even if the Jordan surges up to his mouth. Can anyone capture him while he looks on or pierce his nose with snares? And finally, in Job chapter 41, God talks about the Leviathan, which was a ferocious sea creature. My friend, the description is real. It's not a fairy tale. The ancients were correct in their description of a fire-breathing dragon. Listen to what it says. As God places Job on the witness stand and calls for him to give an answer, starting in verse 1, God says, Can you pull in Leviathan with a hook or tie his tongue down with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he beg you for mercy or speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you so that you can take him as a slave forever? Can you play with him like a bird or put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain for him or divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his hide with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay a hand on him. You will remember the battle and never repeat it. Any hope of capturing him proves false. Does a person not collapse at the very sight of him? No one is ferocious enough to rouse Leviathan. Who then can stand against me? Who comforted me? that I should repay him. Everything under heaven belongs to me. I cannot be silent about his limbs, his power, and his graceful proportions. Who can strip off his outer covering? Who can penetrate his double layer of armor? Who can open his jaws, surrounded by those terrifying teeth? His pride is in his rows of scales, closely sealed together. One scale is so close to another that no air can pass between them. They are joined to one another, so closely connected they cannot be separated. His snorting flashes with light, while his eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flaming torches shoot from his mouth. Fiery sparks fly out. Smoke billows from his nostrils, as from a boiling pot or burning reeds. His breath sets coals ablaze, and flames pour out of his mouth. Strength resides in his neck, and dismay dances before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together, solid as metal, and immovable. His heart is as hard as a rock, as hard as a lower millstone. When Leviathan rises, the mighty are terrified. They withdraw because of his thrashing. The sword that reaches him will have no effect, nor will a spear, dart, or arrow. He regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. No arrow can make him flee. Slingstones become like stubble to him. A club is regarded as stubble, and he laughs at the sound of a javelin. His undersides are jagged potsherds, spreading the mud like a threshing sledge. He makes the depths seethe like a cauldron. He makes the sea like an ointment jar. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had gray hair. He has no equal on earth, a creature devoid of fear. He surveys everything that is haughty. He is the king over all the proud beasts. My friend, before we close, I have a question to ask you. Do you believe Job chapter 41 for yourself? You see, it's not hard to believe if you believe that there is a creator God. I would encourage you to take some time to read chapter 41 for yourself and to see the power and majesty of God in his creation. And so, my friend, I want to encourage you that as we recalibrate our minds to the reality and the truth that God is creator, that everything we see was made by his hands, It is a game changer and it gives us encouragement to face the difficulties of this life because we're reminded that he is here. He is in control. He is in charge and he is working everything out according to his providential plan for his creation. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.